0: You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 786 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Monday evening. Into Tuesday morning, and I am uh, glad you joined us for today's episode. If you missed it on Monday, that show featured a quick glance at the restricted free agents taking part in the NBA's bubble, uh, coming up very soon, basically right now in Orlando, Florida, and it's sort of a companion to what I wrote on Friday at hoops.com If you missed it, I would definitely recommend going back and listening to listening to sort of that was a part one of sorts. But uh, today, I'm following up on that with the unrestricted free agents, and as a reminder, I'm talking about all of the guys that are going to be in the bubble, that's important for me to point out. Also, this is not an endorsement that I think the Hawks should evaluate all of these players closely, but it's more of a wide-ranging look at who might be available when free agency starts in October, and of course, the Hawks have the most cast base in the whole league, so lots of ties to them in the coming days. Okay. We will start there, that'll be the entire show today, and uh, obviously if there's anything that happens, we'll break into uh, stuff later in the week. But here we go on the free agents in the bubble, and again, these are the unrestricted guys, potentially, that will be available. First, I want to start with uh, the guys that I deemed as high-priced and seemingly unlikely in my written content. Again, I know the Hawks have the most space in the league, but... Because of both roster circumstances and also just individual player circumstances, these guys I think are pretty unlikely to be coming to Atlanta. Not impossible, but I wanted to make sure that I mentioned them because they are all good players and all in line for big paydays this summer. Um, Perhaps the most obvious candidate for this list is Anthony Davis. Um, Anthony Davis is a top 10 player in the league. He's really, really good at basketball and he's going to be a free agent this summer. Um, But with all that said, no one, and I mean no one, believes that Davis is going to be leaving the Lakers. Uh, he is going to be unrestricted if he wants to be, but at the same time, you know, the Hawks should offer him whatever he wants. Um, I can't imagine him taking it, nor will I imagine him leaving the Lakers at all, but uh, I want to I make sure that I said this out loud. Yes, the Hawks should offer Anthony Davis the max day one, hour one, but he probably won't take it from the Hawks or anybody else other than the Lakers. Okay, from there, Danilo Gallinari is next game on the, next game on the list, um, Oklahoma City Thunders veteran forward, a tremendous offensive player, honestly. Really versatile guy, can really shoot it, get his own offense, Uh, pretty good passer at times, but defensively not great. Uh, Also pretty old, he'll be 32 in August, and I think he's going to get a large portion of money from somebody. I think Atlanta's not the greatest fit for him in the world. Would he help the Hawks' offense? Absolutely he would. But given that, I think he's a 4 right now, especially at his age. I can't imagine them being the top bidder for Gallinari, so there you go on that. Um, A pair of Toronto Raptors big men, Marcus Saul and Serge Baca, on this list. Gasol still really good, uh especially defensively. I think he'd help any, any team, but honestly he's a pure center. Can't imagine he's gonna be coming to Atlanta with what with what the Hawks already have with Clint Capella. Um Abaka maybe a little bit more interesting in terms of the fit because he can play some four uh, a little bit more versatile than Gasol positionally. I think defensively he's still good. Offensively not incredible but certainly not a bad player. And I think he uh would maybe be a little bit cheaper potentially than Gasol. We'll see how that goes. But um, I can't imagine the Hawks will sign him either. But he seems more likely than Gasol because he does play some four, some five, would probably pair well with John Collins, for instance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. A couple more names to touch on quickly on the high-priced list. One is Montrezl Harrell of the Clippers, uh, like Gasol and Ibaka. Uh, he is very effective, even if uh, pretty different than those guys. Uh, he will, he will likely though have some high-priced offers, I would imagine, on the market just because you know he is someone who's not super old and he's very, very productive. And as a result of that, I think um, Harrell is someone who probably won't be in the Hawks' price range. I think he's going to get some starting center offers, at least some high-priced offers elsewhere. And I can't imagine the fit combined with the Hawks' needs would be, as such, where they'd be the top bidder for his services either. Um, And the last two guys, I think are probably the most interesting guys on this list for me, for the Hawks. One is Gordon Hayward of the Celtics. Um, Obviously a dribble, pass, and shoot option with good size at forward. uh, High-end pedigree, like a fringe all-star in his prime does have a $34 million player option for next season that I think he probably is going to opt into. And if you're the Hawks or any other team trying to get him away from that, you're going to have to give him some real assurances of big time money this summer. He's not going to opt out of that deal with Boston. He actually could still decline the option and then sign with Boston if they have an agreement in place. Um, But for me, Hayward is perhaps the best guy on the market that the Hawks Actually, could maybe sign if you wanted to uh, opt out. Um, is he a little bit older than you might want? Sure, he has the injury stuff. I understand that, but he played well this year. I've always liked Hayward. He's a good supporting piece, not a number one. But the Hawks already have a number one guy in Trey Young. So, yeah, I think he'd be actually a lot of fun for Atlanta. He would help them in a lot of different ways, offensively, defensively. He holds his own, etc. A nice versatile piece, playing up and down the positional spectrum. Uh, again, I don't think this is gonna. Li- I don't think it's gonna happen. I think it's kind of unlikely, but um, because he could opt out of that. And if the Hawks were willing to give him enough money, that might become interesting. And the last guy, um, alphabetically, and at least somewhat interesting to me, is Fred VanVleet of the Raptors. I mentioned VanVleet before, previously on a mailbag, a couple months ago even, for the Hawks. He's very good. Um, that's, the, that's why I want to start with this. At 26, he's still young enough where I think you're going to get most of his prime on this contract. He's an established two-way guard with some defensive aptitude. Also can create, from shots, uh, create shots for himself and others. He's a really good player at this point in time. Pretty underrated, still in the league. He is small, and that's the biggest knock on this pairing is that I think he actually could match with Troy Young defensively a little bit because he is really stocky and physical and strong. Um, But in Toronto, he's playing next to Kyle Lowry, and that works because Kyle Lowry is a bowling ball, and he's a lot bigger and more physical than Troy Young is. Um, it'd be pretty small with Trey and Van Vliet. It would work offensively, to be sure. But I think the idea the idea of Van Vliet would be to pay him a bunch of money to have him be the backup point guard and also play with Trey. Um, I, I understand that idea. I think actually it actually might work. I've advocated for it in the past as a potential option. But Van Vliet was so good this year that I think he's going to get a lot of money. And uh, there's probably... Other teams where he where he can be sort of the guy at the at the point guard spot, where he'd be alerted into that. Um, would, would I offer him a deal as the Hawks? Sure he would, but I don't think I would outbid everybody else for Van Vliet. So there you go. Those are the guys that I think are sort of in their own tier as the super high-priced guys that may not be very likely to consider Atlanta or the other way around. Okay. From there, I want to get to one other category before we get to a break here, and that's um, the category that I deem as old friends, basically, uh, former Hawks. These guys will all fit in other categories that I'm going to be talking about today, but because they're all very uh, very sort of relatable to Hawks fans, I want to just, uh, sort of group them together. These are in alphabetical order, but first is my personal favorite, Justin Anderson. Uh, Justin Anderson is uh, the least accomplished player on this list by far, um, but I think he's going to be in the bubble with the, with the Nets, someone who's worth a minimum contract in the league at the very least. Um, and obviously I love him, but defensively he makes a lot of sense. I thought he probably should have played more in his first stint in Atlanta last season. Um, yeah, there you go on that. Not a guy that I would be uh, <laughs> i would be excited if the Hawks signed, other than just for personal reasons, but he's uh, someone who they could use at the end of the bench. Um, from there, Kent Bazemore, another old friend. I think he was actually pretty sneaky good in Sacramento after he got there. He's pretty shaky in Portland. That's worth pointing out, and of course the Hawks took a bath on that trade with him versus uh, Evan Turner. But uh, his days as a $18 million annual player are gone. And as a result of that, Moore is not going to be appropriately valued, I think because he was overpaid. People assume that he was bad and he's not bad. He's a combo four. I mean, he's a sort of a combo wing type, more of a shooting guard size player, but at 31, I think he's still pretty effective. Wouldn't want him starting for you, but he wouldn't now at the, on the Hawks and he would help you. Um, Damari Carroll, even older than kent uh jyd will be 34 in july he hasn't played much lately i think he is certainly on paper like an interesting combo forward type option more of a four probably now in his modern uh alignment but damari is great in the locker room and the hawks could use another another body as sort of a combo forward type and he'd be cheap almost certainly considering how much he's played or not played in the recent past Justin Holiday on this list as well. Holiday's tenure in Atlanta was not all that, all that impressive, but I always liked Justin. He's been quietly effective the last couple of years. He's, he's 31 years old, but he's shooting the ball really well the last three years. 37% from three on pretty decent volume. And in the bubble, he'll actually be a pretty key part of, of the Pacers, especially if they don't have Depot. But regardless, they're not, not going to have Jeremy Lamb. So uh, Justin Holiday, not a showy player, but certainly someone who could help you as a reserve on the wing. Uh, Kyle Korver is more of the Vince Carter type. That's the comp that I made in the uh, in the column that I wrote at Peachtree Hoops. Um, obviously, he's very old at this point in time, but Kyle can still shoot it. He might be in that Vince role of that breaking place of emergency option off the bench as a shooter, and also that really uh, important locker room presence. Kyle's a great guy in the locker room, always enjoyed him. He might retire, he might stay in Milwaukee, but if the Hawks could get him for the minimum or something like that, I'd be looking into that for sure. Uh, the best player on this list is still Paul Millsap. Um, after making a lot of money in Denver the last handful of years, Paul's going to be a free agent again. He's 35. I understand that he's really old, but he's still really good. And especially defensively, he's still really apt. He'd be, a great, he'd be a great partner with John Collins defensively. I've always thought that about Millsap. If you want to play Collins at the 5, Millsap at the 4, that would actually work pretty well. Um, his market will be interesting. I think he'll get some real offers from teams, and because the Hawks are kind of full in terms of just pure bigs, they might not be willing or eager to offer Paul a bunch of money, but I think he would actually still help the Hawks, and if you get him at a reasonable price, I would be uh, interested in that for sure. And the last guy I want to mention on this list is a former Hawk. Is Marvin Williams. Um, Marvin's been gone for a long time. I understand that, um, but the Bucks added him pretty quietly to their title pursuit, and he's like a three and D combo forward type. Uh, more of a, more of a, definitely more of a four at this point. Maybe even play some five small ball wise. But Marvin is a good role player. Still, he can still shoot it. He defends adequately. I think they backup power forward type on the roster would be helpful for the Hawks, and Marvin could help any team. He'll be a free agent as well. So there you go on that. And again, I wanted to sort of group them up because they're all former Hawks, but all those guys are at different levels. I understand that Paul Millsap and Justin Anderson are on different levels of their uh, of their career and appeal right now. But there you go on all of those. Okay, after a quick break, we'll come right back, talk about um, some supporting guys, some backup point guard types, and some guys that might be more high-priced targets at the end of the podcast. So hold on tight. All right, and we're back to talk about the supporting wings and forwards category. Basically, this for me is like guys who are rotation caliber, but not super high priced, like, you know, reasonable values that wouldn't start for you, but certainly would be solid enough options for the Hawks. One of them is Pat Connaughton of the Bucks. He was in the news today, actually, um, on Monday, because he actually tested positive for COVID nineteen. He's going to be delayed arrival to Milwaukee, sorry, to Orlando as a member of the Bucks. Um, but certainly someone who I think is a pretty good athlete, rotation quality player. Like he's pretty skilled. The shooting's not always been great for Connaughton, but someone who might come pretty cheap, and uh, I think is a pretty underrated player in the league. Might be cheap, and that's the biggest part of this, but I think I would uh, add him to this list as someone to keep an eye on if the Hawks wanted to add some more depth on the wing. Jay Crowder, former Celtic, former all kinds of teams, and now in Miami. uh, Definitely best suited for a smaller role right now, and the shooting kind of has never been there other than one season in Boston, but he definitely is someone who can play for you, league average forward type, and uh, he's a local product actually from Villarica, so that might be an interesting coming home for Jay Crowder on a small deal, potentially. Um, Marcus Morris is overqualified for this, but I wanted to make sure I said his name out loud. I can't imagine him taking a discount to come to Atlanta, but there you go. Uh, his brother, Mark Heath playing for the Lakers, um, actually probably more of an option that might make more sense because he actually would be cheaper. He shot it well in Detroit this year on a small sample size. He's going to be for the Lakers in the bubble, but uh, a backup power forward option potentially. And then Wes Matthews of the Bucs. Um, I'm mentioning a lot of Bucks guys. I mentioned Sterling Brown yesterday, Kyle Corver, Pat Connaughton, Wes Matthews now. Um, Wes and Marvin, by the way. Wes is 34 next year. That's pretty old. He has a small player option that he might pick up, and I think he probably could do a little bit better than that, frankly. And I think teams should be trying to lure him lure him away. Uh, that might include the Hawks. Obviously, a short-term, probably a one-year deal kind of guy, but he would definitely help Atlanta as a solid or better shooter he can defend it a little bit, good uh, good, good locker room guy as well, might be a good uh, leadership target for Atlanta. Um, from there, I kind of want to go on, uh, almost another tier down in some ways in terms of uh, even cheaper potential guys who could be available. That Again, these are definitely not starters, probably not even like number three wing, number three forward types, but guys who could potentially help you and uh, be very like low-cost, almost minimum-level insurance. Uh, one is Alec Burks of the Sixers. He actually might play himself into a bigger payday if he goes if things go well in the bubble with Philly, because he can score, and the Sixers need that, so maybe he'll play himself into that role. That's kind of his only appeal, but certainly a guy who actually has some talent. He got hurt for a long time, but is back now and looks okay. Uh, Jeff Green has been everywhere in the league. I've been Atlanta, I feel like, but um, he'll be a free agent again. He's someone who could be a minimum-contract guy, and versatile Solomon Hill who was on the Hawks roster briefly last summer. Um, he was traded as a salary dump essentially in the Chandler Parsons deal, um, on the court though, now that he's not making a ton of money, Solomon Hill actually is kind of useful as a fourth, fifth forward. He's certainly not great, but he can fill a role for you. It has been okay and playable in the past. He's with Miami in the bubble. Uh, Stanley Johnson is someone I wanted to put on the list, even though I wouldn't want Stanley Johnson. Probably he's actually has a $3.8 million player option, which he should pick up frankly in Toronto, but he's on the list. Um, mkg out of dallas is 27 in september um he's that's actually younger than you might think he's been around forever but former former number number two overall pick i've always kind of liked mkg he can't shoot but other than that he can help you and uh younger than you might think uh glenn robinson the third is a former michigan player it was actually on the hawks summer league roster once upon a time um i think he's probably the best player of this group for me um he can shoot it a little bit, play a little bit of defense as a small ball. Sorry, sorry, as a small forward, and I think uh, is young enough where it might be interesting to target on a value proposition. And then Garrett Temple is older; he's 34, but he can still play a little bit. He actually might have a five million dollar team option picked up by the Nets that wouldn't stun me. He's uh, very, very well regarded around the league, but Temple could be a nice leadership guy to bring in as a depth piece elsewhere. Okay, from there. We will get into some supporting big men. Now, I want to say this before I even dive, dive into the names. I know this, the Hawks do not need another big. I understand that. They have, at the moment, four guys on the roster who can play center under contract. That, of course, Click Capella, Dwayne Dedman, Bruno Fernando, and then they also have John Collins. Now, I do think at some point between now and the season, the Hawks are either going to draft a center in the second round or something like that or maybe even if it was a Kong we were Wiseman, whatever you want to say. They're going to add a body, either in the draft or a trade or free agency. They're going to have at least one more big on the team. I'm not sure who that's going to be. It could be Scalabissier as a popular discussed option. But if you look at the roster, usually in Atlanta and other places, you want want to have four or five guys who can play center. The Hawks have four right now, but that also includes their primary power forward in John Collins. I think they're going to add one more body somewhere along the way. Uh, most of these guys are probably going to make too much money to be part of the Hawks, but I wanted to make sure that I mentioned them anyway. Aaron Baines, I think, is definitely going to be too much money for the Hawks, but he's in Phoenix. He actually played very well this year. I think he'll get more money than the Hawks should offer him, but I wanted to make sure I said his name. The guy that I think I like the most on this list, potentially, is Myers Leonard. I think um, he's a good fit because he could shoot. You could play him with John Collins. He's sort of that deadman level um, you know, Devon kind of player where he's a 7-footer with some size, but is more of a floor spacer on offense. You could use him next to even Capella if you wanted to because of his shooting. Um, and he could be relatively cheap. Uh, Jan Mahimi is different than that. He is definitely a pure backup center. He's become a punchline because of his kind of insane contract that he signed in 2016. But he's a backup center. He's fine as an NBA player, as a depth piece. Uh Noel is the flashiest of these guys. He's 26. He was pretty good. Actually, in OKC this year, um, he's pretty appealing. I think he's going to get more money than the Hawks should offer him for the role that he would get in Atlanta. But a guy that I would keep an eye, keep an eye on if the, if the bottom falls out of the market. And then Mason Plumley is kind of in that Aaron Baines mold where I think he's going to get more money somewhere else. But he's still 30 years old, pretty productive player, useful. Um, Fit-wise, not ideal in Atlanta, I would say. But still someone who the Hawks could, I guess, conceivably sign, even though I wouldn't uh, expect it to actually happen. Um, okay, from there, there's a three player list that I put together on Peachtree Hoops, and it's, I uh, sort of deem it as valuable bargains who are still very young. Um, and that kind of explains it. We'll go into some depth here on some of these guys. Um, Harry Giles of the Kings is going to be a free agent this year. The Hawks could sign Scowl, and if he did that, they'd be kind of in a similar mole, even though they're kind of different players. Uh, Labissier and Giles are both, um, you know, former top tier high school recruits that haven't really found it in the NBA. Giles has flashed some stuff, though. He's still pretty young at 22. I've always liked him quite a bit. The health is a question, but I wouldn't mind him as a flyer. I think he could still return value in the NBA. Not for a ton of money, but someone who I would at least keep my eye on because of the age and the pedigree. Josh Jackson. uh, Things did not go well for him in Phoenix as a top top five pick, but uh, now that he is rebuilding his stock a little bit. He was in Memphis and played much better, played harder. He's had some off-court questions in the past, um, not always been the most sort of attuned guy, but he's young, still 23 years old, has talent. I thought he was probably a little bit overrated in the draft when he came out, but still a lottery-level talent um, when he was drafted and you know still very young. So keep an eye on him as a, as a potential flyer piece. And then Derek Jones Jr., is a guy I've always liked, and I think he'd be a pretty interesting add for almost anyone um, for the Miami Heat. If he could shoot, he'd be getting even more attention. That's his biggest thing he cannot do, is shoot very well. Uh, But he's very athletic. Obviously, the dunk contest stuff is where he's probably most known for. But uh, defensively, he's very good. Uh, He's very long and athletic, and he's really young at 23 years old. So... Jones Jr. is my favorite fit of that group, and I think he's probably even, probably the most realistic of that group to cut into Atlanta, but there you go. Just a trio of guys who are very young to be hitting the market without any restrictions whatsoever, and uh, as a result, they uh, are maybe more appealing for the Hawks because they are so young. Okay, we'll transition from there to sort of the backup point guards and the backup combo guards. Now, there's a lot of these guys. The Hawks are, of course, in the market for someone who can handle the ball in the backcourt. Obviously, last year they had this gaping hole behind Trey Young, to put it mildly, before they added Jeff Teague. I am, I am a self-proclaimed Brandon Goodwin fan. I do think that Brandon Goodwin is a pretty solid third point guard, but the Hawks are going to sign or acquire someone else, I'm pretty sure, as a backup point guard option, uh, either, on, either as a pure point guard or at least a combo guard that can handle the ball. Whether it's Jeff Teague or somebody else, I know Teague could come back, but if it's not Teague, there are other options, and the Hawks are going to do something, I'm pretty confident, to address that position. Okay, so backup point guard, purely, there's five guys that I wanted to make sure I mention. Um, there's basically th- three and a half veterans, and then one young guy. Uh, DJ Augustine is overqualified, overqualified for this. DJ is probably too good to be signing as a backup point guard in Atlanta, because he's too small to play with Joe Young very much. And Augustine, while not incredible, probably deserves a bigger role than what the Hawks could give him. Uh, probably more of a 25-minute-a-game kind of guy, whereas in Atlanta, he'd probably be like a 12-15-minute-a-game guy. But the Hawks could certainly use him, obviously um Goran Dragić I think is kind of the same thing as Augustine. Dragić is a little bit bigger so maybe you could play him with Troy Young but defensively it wouldn't be great. Um and I think he's like another guy who's likely to have more offers elsewhere. It wouldn't stun me if the Hawks were always kicking around his name in the future but someone I think is not the greatest fit in the world. Uh you have Reggie Jackson who's now with the Clippers. Um he used to be sort of a high workload high usage guy in Detroit um now definitely more of a pure backup of course with the clippers that's probably his best role moving forward i've never been the biggest fan of jackson at the same time he can get his own shot he's at least flash defense in the past i think he's bigger and more physical than a lot of backup point guard types he would not be the worst fit in the world i don't love that necessarily but he's better than what the hawks had this year for instance and jackson is still probably younger than you might think that he is uh last guy on this mini list um, in terms of the veterans, is Shabazz Napier of the Wizards. I've always liked Shabazz Napier. I think he's been underrated for a long time in the NBA. Is he great? No, but he's a very, very solid backup point guard. He's got pretty good size, um, pedigree of winning. The Hawks should be taking a look at him. I think he could be cheap and fill a hole pretty respectably. So I, I like the Napier fit perhaps best of all here. And the last guy... On this list that's actually not a veteran, this is the one young guy on this list, is Chris Chioza, who's going to be kind of prominently featured with the Brooklyn Nets in the bubble. He's uh, not a guy that's been very prominent anywhere else to this point in time, but he used to play at Florida, and he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot in the bubble. Uh, Granted, the Nets won't be there too, too long, because they're going to be pretty bad, but if he's good, he he can really help make himself some money in Orlando. And I think he actually played pretty well with Brooklyn this year. So Chios is a very young guy um, compared to the other options, but someone I would be at least taking a look at if I was a Hawks fan trying to find some value in the bubble. From there, there's some, some combo guard types. Again, these are guys who have some on-ball equity or with that size that maybe are not pure point guards. But the Hawks could certainly use some more ball handling or some scoring or stuff that people can bring at this size. Um, You have Michael Carter-Williams, the former Rookie of the Year, who was actually pretty good in Orlando this year. I've never been a huge fan, but defensively, he's pretty good. And then offensively, he can't shoot still, but someone who can handle the ball a little bit wouldn't be the worst fit in the world with Trey Young because he can play next to him because the shooting wouldn't be that big of a deal with Trey on the court. Um, Not a great fit necessarily, but not a a terrible one. I think he was pretty good, better than you might think this year in Orlando. Uh, Jordan Clarkson is the high-end option in terms of the money. He's going to get some real money, I think, because he was pretty good this year in Utah. He's a scorer first, efficient shooter kind of type. Defensively, he's pretty bad, but I think he's a pretty useful third guard, honestly, who I've never loved, but is not too bad if you can get him at a a reasonable contract. I don't love him in Atlanta, but that's someone I wanted to mention. Uh, Bryn Forbes is very small and not a good fit at all next to Trey Young because he can't play any defense, but he can really shoot. So Bryn Forbes, if he was cheap, sure, but you can't really play him with Trey. Uh, Tyler Johnson We'll see. Uh, he, a guy who you who got a big, big deal on an offer sheet that uh, the Heat matched from the Nets back in the day. Since then, he's kind of been like on the fringes of the league. Not a great player, but he's got pretty decent size and pedigrees. I think he was a legit 6'3", 6'4". I don't love that fit, but he'll, he'll be playing with Brooklyn as well along, alongside Chioza, and he'll have some opportunities to flash himself in terms of his skill set. Uh, Etuan Moore is always a guy that I've loved. Uh, he's definitely less of an on-ball player. He's more of that 3-and-D off-ball role as a combo guard type, more of a two, but um, I think I like him as a supporting piece more than most. He would fit in Atlanta. He does not need the ball to be successful, and that's a good thing to do. He can also play defense against guards. I like each one more. I always have, so circle him, in my opinion. And then Emmanuel Moutier, I, I honestly can't believe he's only 24 years old. Moutier is not great. He can't shoot, but uh, if you're trying to make a bet on a talented guy who was a five-star prospect for a reason, I wouldn't blame you too much if you get it for cheap. And then Austin Rivers is pretty good, and I think underrated now. Austin Rivers at one point was really overrated. I think he's now properly or maybe underrated. Um, He can handle the ball. He can defend a little bit. He can shoot a little bit. He's a valuable role player. He's also pretty cheap. Uh, He has a $2.4 million player option in Houston. that I think he probably should decline. I don't know if he will. But the Hawks could use Austin Rivers. He would not be a bad fit at all uh, with what the Hawks need in terms of a guy who can handle the ball, play a little defense, shoot it a little bit, and be a nice, valuable role player. And finally, we are on the last grouping, and this is perhaps the grouping that gets the most attention in terms of Hawks fans. And again, as a reminder, this is only guys in the bubble, so Davis Bertans will not be on this list for now. Um, But this is for, there are four guys here that I think the Hawks are often linked to, um, and they are, just to tell you where this is going, it's Catavius Caldwell-Pope, Evan Fournier, Jeremy Grant, and Joe Harris. These guys are all, like, starting caliber players who are free agents or can be free agents and who are going to get probably eight figures per season. And that means that the Hawks will be linked to them because the Hawks have so much money. We'll start with KCP, uh, the former Georgia Bulldogs shooting guard actually is a local product. He has a player option for about eight and a half million next year. He could pick that up. That wouldn't surprise me that much, but he also might opt out and get some, get some real money this summer. He's a clutch client, which is uh, relevant now that Trey Young is also a clutch client, et cetera. But I've always liked KCP Checks a lot of boxes. He's shooting. He shot well this year from three, 39% from three. A pretty good defender always. I think he's underrated. Is he a starter? Maybe not. But if he's like your third wing, that's really nice, I think. I think he's a solid player. He's still fairly young. Could he start at the two next to Trey Young? Sure he could. I think if you try to tell me he's better than Kevin Herter right now, I wouldn't argue with you too much. I think I'd rather have Herter long term, obviously. But KCP would help. He gives him some defense on the perimeter as well and a local product that might consider coming home for a little bit of a discount potentially. Obviously not a huge one. He's going to want to get paid, but someone I've always kind of liked. Um, Evan Fournier of the Magic also has a player option. His is a lot more money. It's $17.1 million. He could elect to pick that up, especially with the uncertainty that's coming with COVID-19 and salary cap stuff. It would not blow me away at all if he were to opt into that in Orlando. And even if he wanted to stay in Orlando, he actually could opt out and then resign but he's one of the best offensive players on the whole list, honestly. Um, not a great defender at all. He'll be 28 next year, which isn't old, but not you know, you're know you getting to that territory where you don't want to give out a huge contract for someone who's going to be 28 to 32. That is isn't a great spot probably to pay someone. I think he's in line for a lot of money if he wants to opt out. But I don't think he's a great fit in Atlanta. Would he help the offense? Certainly he would. But I'm not sure how much better Fournier is than what they already have. Um, he is better, I think. Immediately, like right now, today, he would certainly help the offense. But I, I think defensively, pairing him with Trey and some other questions that you might have on the perimeter, um, like for instance, you, you probably couldn't play a uh, a wing trio. Uh, sorry, a perimeter trio of young Herter and Fournier, that wouldn't work. Obviously they had Reddish and Hunter to help supplement that. But uh Fournier just the fit-wise, I don't love that. For instance, like comparing him to Bogdan Bogdanovich of the Kings, I'd rather have Bogdanovich. Um and even then I didn't love I didn't love that fit either as I said yesterday. So Fournier is someone who would help, but not a not a great fit for me. Uh Jeremy Grant of the Nuggets is the next guy I wanted to touch on. Also as a player option. Keep that in mind. But Grant has been pretty candid. He's he's playing he's playing to opt out of 9.3 million dollars this summer. Um, that's probably a good idea for him. He's pretty good. I think he's an intriguing, I think he's pretty versatile. I think he can play defense. He's uh he's actually a pretty notable shooter now from three-point range, which is very helpful. Doesn't doesn't have a whole lot of volume, but fairly accurate from three-point range. You want to have him shoot more, probably. Um, Denver has to weigh having Grant and Millsap on the free agent market together. Um, those guys, I think one of them will probably resign in Denver alongside Michael Porter Jr., but the other one probably won't. Grant is younger. Um, I think Millsap's better right now, but Grant is much younger and definitely someone the Hawks could be interested in as someone who could play a little bit at the three, definitely more of a four. Um, I think he would ideally be your backup four and maybe flash to the three, maybe even play some small ball five occasionally, especially if you play with Collins. I think if you play Collins and Grant together at the four and the five, that'd be pretty interesting to me. So, not a guy that you're going to break the bank for probably, but he would help the team quite a bit on both ends of the floor. I think defensively more than offensively, but Grant is a solid enough player who could um, elicit some real offers on the market this summer. And then lastly, Joe Harris is probably the guy that I've talked about the single most of any free agent for the Hawks. Um, you know, he's he's actually going to play in the bubble for the Nets, which is a controversial decision. Uh, he doesn't have to do that, but he's going to be hidden for ages of eight. This is probably going to be his one big payday on the market. Um, Great shooter. That's the biggest thing about Harris is that he's a great shooter. Um Defensively, he's just okay, but not terrible. Is he good? No, but he's better than Kevin Herter defensively right now. Not as good as Cam Reddish defensively, but certainly someone who wouldn't kill you on that end of the floor. And more than anything... I've discussed ad nauseum for several months now, the Hawks need shooting, and Joe Harris is, again, one of the 10 best shooters in the league, probably. Like, he's that kind of a good shooter It um, doesn't need the ball to be effective. So if you're trying to plug, plug and play, Harris would help the team a lot. But the argument against Harris is that he is 29 in September. Um, that's pretty old. And I think because of his market, he's going to demand at least a three-year deal, probably even a four-year deal, maybe. Um, maybe you could convince him to come to Atlanta on a balloon payment two-year offer, but I kind of doubt it. I think he might stick around in Brooklyn. He's a great fit, by the way, with, with what Brooklyn needs with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Um, so we'll see what the bidding war might look like there for Harris. Uh, you know, he would obviously help the Hawks. He's a great shooter, but uh, the combination of age and asking price might scare the Hawks away. That wouldn't stun me too much as we get into uh, deep dives later on in the process. So that'll do it for the list. Now, I will say this is sort of a wrap-up we will definitely dive more into free agency as the weeks and months unfold. Um, I've spent a lot more time on the draft, and I understand that fringe is just really hard sometimes to talk about. I'm still going to do that uh, quite a bit, I think, in the next couple, you know, next several weeks. But because of the market, especially with the uncertainty around the cap um, and future stuff, as I mentioned before, I think it was last week on the podcast, um, the Hawks have some decisions to make with regard to the 2021 salary cap because the concerns about the cap don't. Are just for this year, the Hawks might want to keep the paint dry for the following summer. And that kind of impacts, like, for instance, you you can't go out and sign Joe Harris and Jeremy Grant if you are worried about 2021 cap space. Now, I'm not telling you have to be, but if you're going to sign, if you want to have max space in 2021, you can't sign two big multi-year contracts this summer. Uh, that's just kind of the, that's kind of the easy way that, that I wanted to put it. It's not like a hard and fast rule, but you know you start eating into your cast space if you start signing multiple guys from multiple years. So keep that in mind as well. And I, I think you probably get the, the get the gist here, but not a great free agent class. That's something that I think has been said over and over again. I'll say it again now. Especially if you remove Davis from the mix, who probably isn't going to be free agent, and then a lot of the best players that are available this summer just don't, just do not make sense for the Hawks. I think Gallinari doesn't make a whole lot of sense for the Hawks. Um, Marcusal, Montrez Harrell, Serge Ibaka, Those guys don't make sense for the Hawks in a lot of, in a lot of ways. Um, and even guys that do make sense are not perfect fits between Bogdanovich and Evan Fournier and Fred Van Vliet and um, you know, even Joe Harris age-wise is not a perfect fit. So there are not a whole lot of guys like Davis Bertans, obviously would help offensively. He's not on this list because he's he's not gonna be playing the bubble, but as a big picture concept, Davis Bertans is a, is a defensive problem with the Hawks. Um, he's more of a four, and the Hawks already have John Collins, and they already have defensive issues other places on the roster. So would he help? Yes, he would. But no one could tell me that he's a great fit on this roster, especially when you factor in the lineup constructions and all that stuff. So I say all that to say that it's difficult to project what the Hawks might do. And uh, as I always say, Free agency can also be utilized to trade for players. It does not have to be signing free agency or other ways to use cap space. Keep that in mind as well. But hopefully that's a good primer for now for your bubble viewing, which begins on Tuesday. There's a scrimmage that's happening in the very near future. So use that. If you have questions, hit me up on Twitter. Once I have my account back at BT Roland or in the meantime at Locked on Hawks, please subscribe to the show. If you have other things and feedback or mailbag questions, please hit me up there. Or you can send an email as well to lockedonhawks at gmail.com. I will take mailbag questions there. And every week or two, I'll do a mailbag mailbag episode in the lead up to the draft of free agency. So uh, thank you, as always, for listening. Once again, subscribe, tell a friend, and we'll see everybody next time.